This is one of those moments you feel like you got to kind of soak in. We won't be able to gather again on Sunday for a Christmas day until 2022. So you better soak it in today. It's going to be a while. It's kind of a unique moment. I'm excited to spend some time with you talking about the Christmas story. I could begin talking about the Christmas story in Genesis chapter 1. God created the heavens and the earth. Because before the foundations of the world, the Lamb of God was slain. We could talk about the Christmas story, Genesis 1-1. We could talk about it from Genesis 3, verse 15, when it talks about the seed of Eve. The descendant of Eve would one day crush the head of the serpent. We could talk about it, Genesis 3.15, looking forward to the day that Jesus Christ would die on the cross and defeat Satan once and for all, overcoming sin and death. We could talk about the Christmas story out of Genesis chapter 12, where Abraham is promised that in him all the families of the earth would be blessed, that there would be a descendant in the line of Abraham that would bring a blessing to the entire world. We could talk about the Christmas story out of Genesis chapter 22, where Abraham was taking his one and only son to sacrifice him. And God intervened in that moment and supplied a substitute sacrifice in Isaac's place. Abraham receiving him back as if from the dead. Knowing that someday Jesus Christ will provide a substitutionary sacrifice for you and me on the cross, dying in our place so that we might have eternal life. We could talk about the Christmas story out of Exodus chapter 3 where God delivers his people out of, Israel, out of Egypt knowing that someday God would call forth his son out of Egypt. We could talk about the Christmas story from Exodus chapter 17 when Moses stood before Israel, the people of God, and they were so thirsty for water, they felt like they were going to die of thirst. And Moses stood there and he struck a rock and water flowed forth from that rock because Jesus Christ, the rock of God, would one day be struck and from him would flow Rivers of living water satiating our souls with the forgiveness of sin and the joy of eternal life. I could talk about the Christmas story literally from every single book of the Old Testament. It is throughout the entire Bible because, listen, the Bible is the Christmas story. The entire Bible is the story of Christ. And I pray that as you think about your plans for the next year, that you would decide this morning to immerse your life more in the Christmas story, the God's, the God's Word, the Bible, this year than maybe you ever have done, that you would allow this Christmas story just to flood your life and shape who you become this next year. This is the story that's intended to change your life. And I urge you, to just immerse yourself right in the middle of the greatest story ever told right here in the Bible. This morning, what I'd like to do, though, is talk about a few of the more familiar Christmas stories. We'll be talking about the story out of Luke chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 1. I'd like to tell it to you in a way that I hope you will be encouraged to read it for yourself today as you celebrate 
the birth of Christ. In Luke chapter 1, we begin by finding a story of Zacharias and Elizabeth. They're an older couple, a couple that is beyond the normal age of bearing children. And Elizabeth is barren. They don't have kids. She is incapable of having children. And they're beyond the age of actually having kids. They think that maybe it's too late for that. But they've been crying out to the Lord to do that very thing in their lives. And Zacharias is a priest And he has shown up for his duty at the temple. And it comes to him to go in at a particular time to offer incense offerings. So the time that he's supposed to do that, a crowd gathers outside as he walks into that area of the temple where only he is to offer a sacrifice of burnt incense. As he walks in to make that offering of burnt incense... He encounters something that absolutely terrifies him. He encounters the angel Gabriel. He is scared to death. And the angel Gabriel says to Zacharias, don't be afraid. I've always found it a little bit humorous in the Bible. In moments when you're likely to be most terrified, they're told not to be afraid. Zacharias, I'm sure, is quaking with fear. The angel Gabriel tells him, do not be afraid. And this is what he says to him in Luke chapter 1 your petition has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will give him the name John you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord he will drink no wine or liquor and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him, the Messiah, in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous, so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Can you imagine that moment? This is not normal. Zacharias has fulfilled his duty many times. This has never happened before. And in this moment, the angel Gabriel appears to him and says, you and Elizabeth are going to have a baby boy. And he is going to be the one that comes before preparing the way for the Messiah. Zacharias hears this, and this is what he says to Gabriel. He says, well, how is this going to happen? Are are you sure? Are you certain this is going to occur? Are you positive? Now, Gabriel responds to Zacharias by saying, are you seriously going to ask me that question? I am the angel Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to you to bear this good news. It's going to happen, just like I said. But because you didn't believe me, you're not going to be able to speak until these things were fulfilled. And immediately, Zacharias was mute. He couldn't talk. Now, think about that for a second. It would stand to reason that in the moment Gabriel says to Zacharias, you're not going to be able to speak, that Zacharias would try to speak and to discover he, in fact, could not speak. So it's taken him a while to have this experience inside this area of the temple and everybody outside is getting a little bit concerned because it's taking him so long wondering what in the world's going on in there. 
But they're not disappointed when he comes out because something has definitely gone on in there. He comes out and he can't say a word. You can imagine him acting out what happened, maybe grabbing something to write something down, trying to perform in a charade what has gone on there. They're just amazed. They realize there is some vision or something that's gone on there with Zacharias. This is unbelievable. He's got to hang around for a certain amount of time to finish his duties. Can you imagine having to hang around a few more days to carry out your priestly duties, knowing that all you really want to do is get home as fast as possible and tell Elizabeth what you know, only you can't tell her. You don't have a voice. How am I going to convey this to her? Am I going to write it all out? And so he makes his way home, and can you imagine the conversation that doesn't happen between Zacharias and Elizabeth? As he acts it out and writes it down and telling her this amazing news that they were going to have a baby boy. And that boy would prepare the way of the Messiah. Elizabeth hears this news and she is so excited and she decides just to kind of hang out by herself for about five months to see how things kind of develop. She gets pregnant. She carries that baby and about during the sixth month, the angel Gabriel makes another appearance. This time in the little town of Nazareth to a young teenaged woman named Mary. Now Mary was engaged to be married to a man named, a stellar man named Joseph. Have you been in a house where the daughter is planning a wedding? I happen to know a little bit about that at this point in my life. It's a unique experience. There's a level of excitement, anticipation. I can just imagine, and it doesn't take a lot of my imagination to think of this, Mary lays awake late into the night thinking about what it will be like to be married to this wonderful man, Joseph planning in her mind the wedding, thinking about the amazing wedding day, wondering what it will be like someday to be a mom. You know what that's like. That's what was happening in her life, in her family, in Joseph's family. Everybody's talking about the excitement of a coming wedding. The families are totally wrapped up into this plan and this moment. They are thrilled about what's coming. And in the middle of that circumstance, Gabriel shows up in Mary's life and says to her, Greetings, favored one, blessed of God. And that greeting, now just imagine Mary having this moment where Gabriel shows up in her life and says, greetings, favored one. She knows that the only people in their history that have an encounter with God or an angel of God like this and are called favored are people like Abraham and Moses and David. And here this is happening for her, this little girl, this teenage woman engaged to be married in a secluded nowhere town of Nazareth. Here she is having this experience and it completely blows her away. She's scared to death. She's confused. She's perplexed. She's amazed. And listen to what Gabriel says to her. Do not be afraid, Mary. There it is again. 
for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Can you imagine that moment? Right in the middle of the excitement and the joy of planning a wedding, the angel Gabriel shows up and says, guess what? One day you're going to have a baby, and that baby will be the savior of the world. What can be more exciting than planning an amazing wedding? How about decorating a nursery for the savior of the world? Unbelievable. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, just a minute. Mary's got a question. How can this be since I am a virgin? It's not that she does not believe. She believes. She's just curious how it's going to work out. Not yet being married to Joseph. And so here's what the angel says. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. Okay. This could get complicated. In that moment, I wonder what raced through Mary's mind. How will I tell my parents? What will that sound like? Hey, mom and dad, I know we've been planning the wedding. I'm excited about the wedding. I can't wait to marry Joseph, but I need to sit down and have a conversation with you. Some things have changed. Oh, yeah, what, what's going on, honey? We're ready to do whatever we need to do. Excited about that great day. Well, I don't know exactly how to tell you this, except just to come out and tell you. I'm pregnant. There's an explanation, though. Well, I hope there is an explanation. I'm not sure my explanation is going to make it all that much easier. I'm pregnant because the power of God has overshadowed me. And I now bear the Savior of the world. Mary, are you feeling okay? I mean, what, what are they going to say? What is she going to say to convince them? Even more, how is she going to tell Joseph? I mean, what is she going to say to him? Joseph, I, I, I've got some news. I, I want you to know I love you. I'm faithful to you. I've been honoring God in my life in every way. And by the way, I happen to be pregnant. And believe it or not, I've not been unfaithful. Oh, right. I mean, this moment of impossibility creates a level of uncertainty. A level of fear, a level of crazy. How would you respond in that moment? I love Mary's response. 
It is absolutely beautiful. She says to the angel Gabriel, Behold your bond slave, the Lord's bond slave. Let it be done to me according to your word. She trusts the Lord in an impossible circumstance, in an unbelievable set of circumstances that create uncertainty beyond imagination. She chooses to say, my life is the Lord's. I will submit my life to you. I can trust you. It doesn't matter that I don't know how this is going to work out. It doesn't matter that I don't know how I'm going to tell my parents. It doesn't matter that I don't know how Joseph is going to, Joseph is going to respond. I trust you. I just want to believe you. So you do to me whatever it is you want to do for your glory. I trust you. Amazing. And God is so gracious. Right before Mary said, behold the Lord's bond slave, the angel Gabriel said to Mary, hey, I want you to know something else. Your relative Elizabeth, she's pregnant. You know the barren one? The one they call barren. She's now six months pregnant. You know what happens when a woman becomes pregnant and discovers that her friend is also pregnant? Y'all know what happens? It's an immediate road trip. Well, that's what, that's what's going on. It's, I think it's so cool that Gabriel said, hey, by the way, Elizabeth is pregnant too. It's by the work of God. It was as if Gabriel was saying to Mary, It'd be a really good idea if you went and hung out with Elizabeth for a little while. And so that's what Mary does. She immediately makes plans for a three-day journey to see Elizabeth. I would not want to be a part of that three-day journey. Can you imagine the contemplation going through Mary's mind? How am I going to tell Elizabeth? It's certainly not as hard as telling mom and dad. It's a good warm-up for telling Joseph. I can tell Elizabeth, but how am I going to convince her? What am I going to say to her to make her realize this is really true? How am I going to make this believable? It's impossible, and yet it's happening. It's unbelievable, and yet it must be believed. How can I tell her what's happening? Three days she contemplates the words, how she will explain it, what she will say to convince Elizabeth. And the moment she shows up at Elizabeth's house and says hello, this is what happens. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and she said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. How has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what the Lord had been spoken to her by the Lord. Mary didn't even have to tell her. What a gracious blessing from God to help Mary continue to believe in the impossibility of her circumstances. Mary showed up and Elizabeth says, hey, I know 
you carry the baby who will be my Lord. And my baby, who is the forerunner, is already announcing the presence of the Messiah. I know. Can you imagine the embrace and the excitement and the joy and the encouragement that ensued in the days they spent together? How Mary must have felt so encouraged that the Lord would take care of her, that she could believe him, that even though she didn't know how it would work out with her mom and dad, even though she didn't know how Joseph would respond, that the Lord would take care of her. She was trusting the Lord in the impossible circumstances of her life, and the Lord was coming alongside her saying, you can trust me. I'm going to take care of you. Well, Mary hung out there for three months in that moment of encouragement. And just before Elizabeth was to give birth to her baby boy, Mary made the trip home, having bolstered the courage to go home and tell Joseph. The Bible doesn't tell us what that conversation was like. I'm kind of glad because I'm not sure I would want to be written about me what I would have done in that circumstance. We don't know exactly what happened, but we do know that when Joseph found out, when Mary did her best to explain everything to Joseph, when she gave her explanation of what God had done, that she had not been unfaithful, that she had stayed true to, to Joseph and to the Lord, and the Lord overshadowed her, and she was carrying the Savior of the Word. She's three months pregnant, three to four months pregnant by now. She can't hide this. It's out in the open, and she's telling Joseph, and Joseph's response to Mary is, I am going to divorce you. See, in this day and time, when someone is engaged, it was as if they were already married. They just hadn't had the official marriage ceremony. And Joseph's response to what she said, whatever it was, was, I'm going to divorce you. I'm going to do it in a way that hurts you less than what I could do according to our law. Because you are pregnant and you have not been married. I will not marry you. Imagine this moment in Joseph's life. His dreams seem to be falling apart. The woman he thought he was going to marry is not the woman he knew. Can you imagine Mary? She went home that night after telling Joseph, laying down in her bed, awake, thoughts and sorrows and fears running through her mind. What is going to happen to me now? Will I bring the Savior of the world into this world alone? I'm still your bond slave, Lord, but I'm alone. I'm alone. Joseph probably had a hard time going to sleep that night. Surely would have been a fitful sleep. And guess what happened? Gabriel showed up. And Gabriel said to Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. The child that she bears is, in fact, the Son of God. And the angel said this to Joseph. Catch this. The angel said, you will name him Jesus. 
Joseph, you are going to be the earthly father of the Savior of the world. You are going to name him Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. Can you imagine that moment for Joseph when he got out of that experience with Gabriel, thinking in his mind, oh, oh, I cannot hold this in. I suspect that it only took him a few seconds to get everything ready to run as fast as he could to Mary's house, to crash in that door and go in and grab Mary and embrace her and say to her, I believe you. I believe you. This baby boy is going to be named Jesus and God wants me to name him. He wants me to be his earthly father and this baby will save the world from their sins. I believe you. They hugged and celebrated. I mean, that had to be an amazing moment of celebration and joy, of hope, joy, peace, love how did they all get there faith they believed there is no other way to life changing hope joy peace and love than through faith in Jesus Christ when you think about Zacharias and Elizabeth they, they believed. Now, you know Zacharias regretted his unbelief severely. He made plans. I will not make that mistake again. I'm going to believe in the Lord. And the day that that baby boy was born to Elizabeth, they asked Elizabeth, what shall we name him? And she said, we're going to name him John. She's the spokesperson for the family at this point. We're going to name him John. And everybody around says, wait a minute, you don't have any relatives named John. That's weird. Why would you name him John? We're going to go ask Zacharias. They go and they say, Zacharias, Elizabeth's saying, John, you can't talk right now. Is she taking advantage of this moment? Zacharias grabs a tablet and he writes down big, bold letters. His name is John, exclamation point. And in that moment... Zacharias's voice is loosed and he can speak because he has now experienced the joy of a kept promise. God made a promise to Zacharias and Elizabeth and he kept his promise and their faith in him gave them opportunity to experience the wonder of a kept promise promise their hope and their joy and their peace and their love was an experience of a kept promise because they believed you know what Jesus says to you and me today he says I have prepared a place for you you see in my father's house there are many places to live and I've prepared a place for you if it were not so, I would have told you, but here's the thing. I'm going to prepare that place, and someday I will come again, and I will take you to be with me forever. The hope and the peace and the joy and the love of a kept promise like that is only experienced through faith in Jesus Christ. You think about Mary and Joseph. Mary was able to experience the blessings of God. 
Elizabeth said of Mary in verse 45 of Luke chapter 1, blessed is she who believed what was said to her by the Lord. She got to experience the blessings and the favor of God through her faith. Had she not believed, she would not have experienced the favor and the blessing of God. Do you recognize that the avenue for the favor and the blessing of God that is offered to you is through faith in Jesus Christ? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace, favor of God, you have been saved. You have been saved through faith in Jesus Christ so that this is a gift to you, something that God has given you through faith in Jesus so that the way of blessing, hope and joy and peace and love, the blessing that changes your life is only through faith in Jesus Christ. It's the only way. You think about Joseph. I mean, that guy had a difficult road. He was the protector and the provider of this little new family. And guess what? This little new family and everybody's eyes around them that knew them would have believed. How could Joseph marry her? How could that girl do that to him? He would have been an outcast. It would have been the source of rumors and slander. And yet Joseph said to the Lord, I'm going to do this. I'm going to follow you. I believe I'll name him. He'll be my boy. I'll raise him. I'll take care of this family. I'm going to trust you. And in Bethlehem, news broke that there was a new king of the Jews born. And King Herod wanted to destroy the, the babies in Bethlehem that would be of the age of this new king of the Jews that was confirmed as the Magi came into town. And guess what happened? The Magi come into town and they give to Jesus gold, frankincense, and myrrh. How do you think that poor Mary and Joseph financed a trip to Egypt to escape Herod? God did it. Because at every moment of crisis, unknown, impossible circumstances, they chose to believe and God came through in just the way to take care of them in every single moment of challenge and difficulty. It didn't make it easy. It didn't mean that it all went well. They were not in a position of favor in their culture. And yet God showed them that he would take care of them, he would protect them, and he would provide for them. And what Joseph discovered is that the hope and the joy and the peace and the love that comes from God is best experienced under the umbrella of faith in God. The safest place for you and I to live is in faith in Jesus Christ every day. No matter the difficulty you face, no matter the challenge you face, no matter the unknown circumstances that are, are knocking at your door, if you will believe in Jesus Christ, it's the safest place for you to live, even in the midst of suffering, even in the face of death. There is no safer place than living by faith in Jesus Christ. That's why Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. There is no better place to live than faith in Jesus Christ. If you want hope and peace and joy and love to totally invade your life, it simply starts with trusting Jesus Christ. He's given you every reason to trust him. And you'll discover as you trust him, he'll give you a million reasons more. He'll fill your life full of hope. He'll flood your life with his peace. Your heart will overflow with joy 
and you will be captured by his love. This is the good news of Christmas. And it's a news we cannot afford to keep to ourselves. I pray you have a Merry Christmas and that the joy of Christ will flood your hearts as you decide to trust him like never before.